Welcome to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank that brings you market views and insights on the go. Hello and welcome to Standard Chartered Money Insights. My name is Manish Jaradi, Senior Investment Strategist, and we've just released our monthly publication, The Global Market Outlook, titled Growing Confidence. On today's episode of the podcast, we'll discuss the latest developments in macro data and policies and the impact on various asset classes. Joining me today for this conversation, I'm glad to welcome Abhilash Narayan, Senior Investment Strategist. Without further ado, let's start today's conversation. Abhilash, could you share with us some of the key messages for investors given the recent hawkish tilt by the US Federal Reserve and the ongoing regulatory tightening in China? Thank you, Manish. And yes, clearly, these have been the two key drivers for the markets right now. So let's start with the Fed, right? Uh, Now, the start of tapering that was indicated in the recent uh, FOMC meeting was largely expected. However, what we are keeping our eye on is for any emerging signals of a path of rate hikes potentially from late 2022. And if we move beyond the Fed, uh, a number of other global uh, central banks, including uh, the UK and the New Zealand are likely to turn less accommodative over the next 6 to 12 months. So this shift in central bank policy has obviously raised some concerns for equities. However, in our opinion, it's worth noting that equity bear markets usually occur when the level of policy rates becomes outright you know, excessive or tight, not when the policy is in the process of tightening. And if we analyze previous Fed tightening cycles, generally equities tend to do well in the early stages of tightening and you know generally government bonds suffer because higher policy rates are reflective of stronger economic growth so we think that the current path should be positive for risk assets and bearish for us dollar now if we move over to china clearly uh, the property sector remains under focus and while we expect policy measures to avoid uh, widespread contagion continued econo- uh, regulatory pressures loan losses for banks and property sectors deleveraging raise concerns about economic and earnings growth in the next 6 to 12 months. So as a, as a result, we think corporate earnings are likely to be hit, and that is one of the main drivers behind our downgrade of Asia Japan equities to a less preferred uh, view given China's large weight within the benchmark. Now, specifically looking at Chinese equities, we prefer onshore equities over offshore equities, given that uh, onshore equities are more diversified from a sector perspective and are more sensitive uh, towards any future policy support. Now, um, there is a lot of talk about inflation and notwithstanding the recent easing in inflation, especially in the US. Do you think price pressures are sustainable? And what does it mean mean for bonds as an asset class? Thanks, Manish. Now, if you look at the data uh, for July and August, it has shown that near-term inflationary pressures have already started to fade, uh, especially in the US as base effects from last year's recession fall away. And some of the supply bottlenecks ease across sectors closely linked to economic reopening. But clearly, price pressures are likely to be more stubborn for some certain sectors such as semiconductors and shipping. If we look at Europe, Energy prices are driving headline inflation higher, but core inflation remains subdued. So overall, when we put all of this together, we see a low probability of inflation in US and euro area rising significantly over the next 12 months, 
primarily because there's still significant slack in labor markets, which is likely to keep wage pressures under control. Now, this means that Fed and ECB are unlikely to raise interest rates in the next 6 to 12 months, even if both unwind their emergency bond purchase programs. So for, for US, uh, we expect 10-year treasuries to trade in uh, the 1.5 to 1.75% range over the next 12 months, though we do not rule out a short-term overshoot of this range. Uh, given this backdrop, we prefer bonds with shorter maturity and higher spreads. Uh, so bonds such as developed market high yield bonds, emerging market dollar bonds, and Asian dollar bonds. Uh, and we just talked about China in, in the previous question. And actually, we think Asian dollar bonds, especially the high yield bonds, are an attractive way to take China exposure. Because even if we exclude China Evergrande, uh, the current sp credit spreads are extremely cheap and offer an attractive uh, entry point to long-term investors in our assessment. Moving on to, to equities, um, would you agree that equities continue to remain in a sweet spot, uh, which is still easy monetary policies and an upbeat global growth outlook? Which are the markets that really stand out? Absolutely. So global equities remain our preferred asset class on a 12-month horizon. Uh, and we expect global recovery to extend, central banks uh, to remain focused on supporting economic growth, and rising uh, corporate and consumer spending to help drive earnings growth. Uh, if you look at seasonal perspective, generally the last few months of the year tend to be strong for equities. So that's again a, a tailwind for, for equity markets. Now, from a regional perspective, uh, we favor developed market equities, uh, such as those from U.S. and Euro, Euro area. And the key driver there is the clarity in regulations and the level of policy support. So in U.S., we see Fed's increasing confidence in the economy, and we are seeing strong uh, indications of fiscal and infrastructure stimulus. Uh, in Euro area, uh, which is also a preferred market, market, uh, the key catalyst is uh, the German elections, which could potentially lead to greater fiscal stimulus. Now, by contrast, uh, emerging market equities outlook appears less rosy. Uh, and, you know, generally, uh, historically, strong developed market growth and, you know, weak US dollar tend to be positive for EM assets. But we think that uh, Chinese regulatory crackdown makes the current period different from you know, prior such instances in, in history as growth outlook for China and those other EMs which, are, which have close economic linkages to China turns a bit more uncertain. And that's one of the reasons, as I mentioned earlier, we've turned you know, a, a, a bit more cautious on Asia's Japan equities. Since, since we are on equities, Abhilash, let me ask you one last question. What are the implications of the U.S. infrastructure plans for sectors and thematic assets in general? Uh, thanks, Manish. So as we know, uh, the U.S. Senate passed the $1.2 trillion U.S. dollar Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act. Uh, and, you know, the bill features $550 billion of new spending going into areas including transportation, water and broadband. Now, at a headline level, we think that the infrastructure plan is a positive for U.S. equities uh, since it essentially means more fiscal spending. Uh, but if we dive deeper uh, within the broader uh, equity universe, we see four potential beneficiaries. So first off, we believe that value equities are a direct beneficiary given the metal intensive nature of uh, infrastructure and renewables investment. Uh, this should be positive for metal producers and industrial commodity prices. 
second, we think water and infrastructure should benefit from Biden's focus on addressing weatherization and protection against climate change fuel disasters such as droughts and floods. Third, uh, we think uh, renewables uh, sector should benefit given, again, Biden's commitment to net zero power uh, sector by 2030 and upgrade of energy grids and further penetration of renewable energy uh, production. Uh, all of these should benefit uh, companies involved in these sectors. And fourth is the telecom uh, sector that we think uh, is, is likely to benefit. So the funding is likely to improve for broadband access to low income and rural communities. Uh, and that will likely benefit uh, telecom majors who would receive grants to expand their coverage to the underserved communities. Additionally, if we think about increased penetration of 5G coverage, that's again likely to support the supply chain related to 5G equipment, component and service providers. Thanks again, Abhilash, for joining our conversation today. That is all for this episode of Standard Chartered Money Insights. If you would like to learn more or read our publications, please visit our website at sc.com under Market Insights. As a reminder, if you enjoyed our discussion, please rate and review us wherever you get your podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Thank you for listening to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank. For more details on the latest market insights, subscribe to Standard Chartered Money Insights.